They don't understand, they don't understand. I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam. And we gon' start a one that's from up above. And they gon' know it's us by the way we love. All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers. And we gon' worship the father and we gon' drown in this water. All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers. And we gon' worship the father and we gon' drown in this water. Family, family, family. Christ died one time for my Welcome to Reformed Dads, where all things are for dads, through dads, and to dads, as well as the aspiring husband and father. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries. With me, as always, is my man, Norm, the master's dog, Dunham. What's going on, brother? What's up, what's up, what's up? Glad to have you, as always. And we have a special guest. His name is Austin. Hi, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And Austin what? Dressler. Austin Dressler. And we are broadcasting from Utah, all of us. I'm here out visiting, doing some ministry. So I'm excited to be out here, especially in July, August, when the sun is melting the earth in Mesa right now. Uh, apparently though, they're getting some thunderstorms, so it's a little bit cooler, which is nice, but, uh, I'm enjoying being able to go outside without sweating in the first five minutes. So let me just say that. Right. Absolutely. I'm just going to speak to that briefly. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I saw pictures of Andrew and them out doing ministry at the, the LDS church down there, um, on Facebook and they were in the rain and I'm like, Oh, I bet that feels so good. Yes. Yeah. Apparently it's been in the seventies and eighties. Uh, and I guess Mace is just waiting for me to get home. <laughs> so I could turn up. The, right. You brought all fryer. that heat down here with you. Yeah. You bring all the heat to Utah and then you're just going to take it back home with you. So, um, thank you. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I just want to give a shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. We just recently finished a book study uh, on Douglas Wilson's Federal Husband, which is amazing. We will be starting another book study very soon. So if you want to get involved, if you want to support what we're doing here, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash reformdads to support us. Um, I don't know. I'm Official announcement. Spoiler alert. Your man, Dusty Marshall, has plans to move to Utah uh, mm-hmm. in the next month, and nice. uh, we'll see what the Lord does. That's the plan. Um, we'll see. You know, there's still details to be worked out, uh, fundraising and stuff, but uh, that is the plan as of right now. I'm excited about that, and I'm excited to join you Absolutely. guys out here. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be awesome to have you. Yeah, I'm, I'm I was excited. just thinking... I was just thinking, I saw the, again, pictures. I, I, I get all my information from Facebook. Luke, uh, Pearson pastor Luke posted, uh, some pictures of them after they ordained Wade, uh, yesterday and ordained, uh, Andrew as a deacon coming up here yes. and they'd gone out, I guess they went out to dinner or something. And there was a pictures talking about how much he was going to miss those guys. And I'm like, you know, I want to feel bad for him, but I can't because I get the benefit of y'all coming up here yes. and I get to, I get to spend time with you now. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have Apologia Utah coming up. Yes. And let me just announce, I'm de- I am not part of the church plant by any official means. I am just a man looking to change his lifestyle, his family's lifestyle, be more outdoorsy, get into farming stuff. And I want to support my brothers who are uh, moving up here, planning a church. I just want to be helpful to them and helpful to y'all who are already doing stuff up here uh, in any way that I can. So that's, that's the plan. It's a big change for us. And, uh, but we're excited. We're excited about it. And uh, definitely prayers appreciated uh, because we have a lot going on in the next month for that to happen. So absolutely. Um, but let's, uh, get into the topic at hand. Um, you know, all we want to have Austin on and Norm, you actually already have experience in embryo adoption. And why don't you, uh, you guys, you know, you know more about this topic than I do. Um, talk to us a little bit first about what embryo adoption is and why is it important? Austin, you want to? You want to jump in there first or should I? Oh, you can go first. Okay. So embryo adoption is, so as we look at the amount of 
fertility treatments, IVF, stuff that goes on uh, throughout the United States nowadays. Um, I, have, I have a theory on the whole thing because it just seems like more and more people are, you've got, you, we see more people who are infertile. And so they're going through these means of going through fertility clinics and stuff like that. I just think it's so, as we get further away from the fall uh, of man, you know, these things just get worse and worse. So, um, you know, but all that aside, there's a lot of people that are doing IVF and the statistics, I looked up some of them, um, 21% of the embryos that are created. So when husbands and wives or people go to these clinics and they get, you know, women have their eggs harvested, they bring the sperm, they put those together, they fertilize these embryos to implant into a woman so she can get pregnant for whatever reason. That's what IBF is. That's what IBF, in vitro fertilization. Okay. Um, 21% of those embryos are abandoned. So fertilized, usually, yeah, yeah, embryos. Okay. Fertilized and then not used. So what happens? And usually this is without the consent of the parent of the, of the woman, the doctor will just, harvest as many possible eggs as they can so sometimes depending on you know the cycle of the woman the age of the woman so on they may take 40 50 60 eggs from a woman and they might uh fertilize every single one of those make 40 and then, or 50 of course, babies if they right serve. and then not all of them survive the fertilization process but you're looking at potentially 30 babies are created in a Petri dish. Usually two or three is what the average women will have implanted. And so now you've got 27 babies that are frozen. Okay. And again, the statistic is that 21% of those are abandoned. Um, and I, I'm what not exactly sure. Say that again. What percentage? 21% okay. of the of the babies that are created through in vitro fertilization are abandoned. And they say that right now in the U.S. there are about 90,000 frozen babies in the United States. So 90,000 babies. So this is why snowflake adoption, embryo adoption is so important for, you know, those of us who are, are – you know, proclaim to be pro-life, that we are abolitionists, we, we want to see life. And so one way, and it's actually, for a lot of people, it's, it's likely to be a less expensive way to actually adopt, is to go and have these, these babies that have basically been abandoned. They're just sitting in a freezer somewhere, cryogenically frozen, because the the parents who had them created are done and the the quote from the 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 article I was reading was done with their baby making cycle right right, right. I mean it, 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 it's such a, a a trite way to put it but so there's a lot of babies out there that need to be adopted so that's why it's really important anything to add to that Austin yeah no that's 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 really the reason there's so many out there that um are just frozen, abandoned. Um, I've really, from what I've seen, they, after the whole IVF, um, cycle and, and procedures done, I mean, typically maybe, um, only maybe two embryos might be transferred, um, to the mother and then they might say, oh, well, I'm done having children. And so, okay. So you have 18 other children that are frozen and, um, I've seen their options from there could be, um, either they just leave them frozen, um, indefinitely for, um, a future IVF cycle. If they so choose, um, they could, uh, donate them to science for, uh, stuff like stem cell research. And then eventually they end up getting destroyed through that process. Um, or, um, they just immediately could, um, discard of them. Okay. Um, or put them up, um, uh, what they call donating them, but, um, basically put them up for adoption. Okay. So, in that process, um, so there, there are all of these babies made um, more than the woman could fertile, have, have put inside her to develop. And then tell us about the actual adoption side of it. How does this happen? What are, are there the same requirements for regular adoption costs? Tell, tell us about those things. 
Um, from what I've seen, so it is different um, legally and medically from a normal adoption. Our society doesn't look at it as an adoption. Um, more so they see it as just a transfer of property, quote unquote. So that whole, um, that whole idea is, is kind of dehumanizing to them. So they just treat it as that, although it ends up working out that it, it does make it a little easier, um, than going through a lot of the adoption, um, hoops and, and different things that you have to do. I don't know if, um, or you've, you've seen that. So, yeah, we did. I mean, we didn't have to do the home studies and stuff like that, that you would do for uh, mm -hmm. uh, a outside of the womb baby, a toddler, or infant or teenager or anything like that. The, the home study is different, but we had to go through and have psychological evaluations. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if I did. I know Talia did. I don't think I had to. I think. The, the psychologist or something called me and asked me like three or four questions. But so in order to do this, but we had already done the in vitro. And so, and all those failed for us. And so we ended up on a waiting list for um, through the same clinic where we did our IVF. So we were already kind of in the system and it made it, it, it made it a lot easier. Whereas they called us up and they said, Hey, here you are on the list and you're up and we've got this. And so they sent us, um, it, 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 again, there's this, there's an absolute dehumanizing value in what's going on because, it, and it does take us back. I know, uh, pastor Jeff, when he's at, at, uh, the mills, he'll bring up the issue of slavery and I do the same thing. And it's very similar to a slave auction almost in a sense, because we got a list of the, the, donor father donor male donor female uh we got a list of all their medical issues all their medical conditions we get like this this background history of them and then we got like a genetic uh printout of our daughter um and then we had a couple other options in there where it's like you can look down and here's a percentage of possibility of having this 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 and so it's almost as if you're inspecting like livestock mm. oh, in a way. So okay. it, it's definitely this dehumanizing. We really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to that. We just looked at, um, we had two options initially. Um, and it was a, it was either a, a three baby lot or that I think the one was a two, um, and so I can't remember the, all of it. We knew that the, the three that were together were of Hispanic uh, descent and so on. And then there was another one. Neither one of those actually survived the thaw process. So that's when we were uh, given Opal and her sibling, uh, who obviously her sibling didn't survive the implantation and Opal did. And okay. now we have her. So um it does it, it it's a little different but i'm noticing as i look into it more now there are some companies there i i, I could, should have written down the names of these companies but there are two major companies that are really focused on this adoption uh, snowflake adoptions embryo adoptions and uh and they are getting more and more into home studies and doing the, the things the way that they do for regular adoption. And I think it's the, at least one of these is, is definitely a more Christian based company than the other one is. And I think that's the one that is looking more into, you know, what's going on in the home and stuff like that. Now real so, quick, tell me about this three baby, two baby lot thing. T what does that mean? So again, what it is, is uh, they've had a, they had a bunch of, eggs fertilized so they've got these these babies that are there that are frozen and um so there's usually two or three of them together so we had again the the options that we had were three embryos to be transferred and implanted into talia or one had two and did they do that um, at one time at one at time. one time okay. so they're they're both implanted at, or all three are implanted at the same time again neither one of those uh, sibling groups survived the thawing process. Okay. Um, so Opal w was one of two embryos that were transferred into Talia um, when we had our transfer day. 
And do you and, know, uh, do you know about like the success rate of when they do that? What, do you know anything about that? Awesome. As I read through this, uh, this article, it was 35%. Okay. Um, is about, it's about a 35% survival rate through the transfer. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of the lower numbers I've, I've heard because they have to first survive the, the thaw itself, which is hard on them. And then they have to, um, actually like implant, um, uh, into the mother and, um, th that can be dangerous too. So I know it, it can, um, it can be a whole dangerous process for them. So the process is there's taking, they're, they're unfreezing these children and then they're implanting them in your wife yeah. to, to develop there. That's what's yep. going on. And essentially, you know, yeah. And there can be, you know, if they all work out, we're talking triplets or twins. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Exactly. I understand. So yeah, and, it, and it's a it's a crazy process because you literally watch they we when we went in to do our transfer we're we're in one room they they put on a screen on a TV screen they put Opal and her sibling they're they're in a petri dish and they're under a microscope so we can see them and we see them come in with the syringe and scoop them up into the saline solution and then immediately come in the room and the doctor has has dilated the cervix and everything else and inserts the tube and it's wow. the 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 plunger and wow. there they go they're they're wow. implanted into the uterus and then you know god does his thing and yeah. causes them to implant into the uterine wall and and so on and wow that's amazing nine months later we had Opal. Let's just say, you know, one thing, the, the technology and, and things that we have and things that doctors are able to do these days, praise God for those things. Um, you know, obviously things get corrupted by the sinfulness of man, the things that we desire over what God desires for us. <clears throat> but the things that are able to happen, that things that they're able to do medically, that's just amazing, you know, that they're right. able to do that. Let's let's talk briefly, you know, I think it's important and I want this for our listeners uh, talking about, you know, we're big into abortion apologetics and abortion ministry from from the standpoint of IBF. Um, maybe y'all can help me out here. If I was to speak to someone who is considering doing IBF, you know, I don't know, like, is there a way to do it that doesn't end up in babies dying? Is there a way to do it? Like run me through that. Cause I really don't know. And I would like to be educated on that. And I'd like our listeners to be educated on it as well. Absolutely. So uh, again, with, with this, there, there are absolute issues of, of morality that come into play with IVF because you're looking at one, um, you know, over fertilization, Mm -hmm. what we talked about so with us the the clinic that we worked with in sandy we were able to say we don't want to do crazy amount we don't want to have 18 because we're not going to we wanted to make it and we so this was what it was discussed with our doctor we want to make it where it's a manageable amount because our hope is that every one of these embryos every one of these babies implants and is born. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, you know, we're, we're, we're ready to have, you know, three sets of twins or whatever it was that we were going to do. But we were also were like, we don't want to make 18 mm -hmm. because our intent and our personal, our, our desire and, and standard was we're not going to get, just do this to give a bunch of them away. We want this. We, we are building our family. We are medically unable to have babies the natural way. So we wanted to do this. So that's the first thing that if I were to, if I were to counsel somebody in a, as a pastoral thing or anything like that, I would say, talk to your doctor and pick a number and say, this is how many we want. And this is how many children we are willing to, to fertilize and implant and do and then you know and if that if those fail then we do again or so on which is what we did okay. um, we did i mean we did three times three three cycles through and uh and all of ours failed okay and so okay again it was it so that's that's a that's the first thing is if you're going to do it um 
then you want to make sure that you're just not, you know, gathering 60 eggs and fertilizing 30. And now you've got a batch of 30 children that you're that feasibly, I mean, maybe somebody does want 30 kids and God bless you if you're going to do it. But that's, that would be the first thing that I would suggest is to set a number and this is how many we're going to do. And we're not over fertilizing. So, so going into it, knowing that, so you say we're, we're willing to have six children, right? So you're, you're saying that, um, but what are you going into it knowing as well? Like, are you knowing that children aren't going to survive doing this? Like how do, how, how does that work from a, a moral standpoint too, with, you know, a fertilized egg is a baby, you know, that, right. that is an embryo. So what, what would you, would you tell someone even to go in and do IBF, you know, with the statistics and the chances, like where are we at? Right. You know, I, I'm trying to understand this. First off, I mean, I would, I would say, if, again, I'm coming at this as if I were their pastor, I would say, you need to go discuss this with your pastor. You need to sit down with your pastor and, and talk these things out. But statistically, again, our hope was that all of the babies, there was, there was nothing that said, you know, 65% of these babies are going to die. Okay. That I mean, that wasn't, you know, the, the initial hope was we, we hope that all of these babies get through fertilization, transfer everything and, and survive. Okay. Um, so that was, and, and again, you can look at it as, you know, there's a, there's a large number of natural pregnancies that end early in mm-hmm. miscarriage that are never known about because you have eggs that have issues and as they're fertilized and stuff like that. So again, it's like, you know, there's a, there's a, a possibility. And with us, there was, it was like every, you know, we had multiple times where it seemed like Talia was pregnant and then it was like, Nope, not and okay. you know we're miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage basically and okay. we we were kind of and it was the same thing we were like well we're going to continue to try mm-hmm. to have babies mm-hmm. but there there's like this almost a, a statistical thing of going but it's likely that we are going to miscarry um so again it was almost the same situation for us okay. there was like mm-hmm. there it was like there's a, a good possibility that these survive with during the transfer or they could die and we looked at it almost as in the same thing as, you know, when we have, we have intercourse and get pregnant and miscarry, it's kind of the same thing. Okay. Again, it would have been a different thing if we went in and said, give us 30 embryos and we're only going to take six and the rest of them are going to be destroyed. That would be absolutely immoral. And I would say never do that. Okay. But if, again, if you go in with the idea of we want to have babies, we're willing to, you know, do six with the hopes that we're going to get all six, but we're not going to have a bunch of them that are going to be left over and frozen and, or destroyed or discarded or anything like that. Then I would say there's definitely a, I would, I would be okay with recommending it. Okay. If that were the case, but again, it would be only under those conditions. You have to go in there with your Christianity as your guide, as looking at this is what I'm sure God is is okay with, and I know God's not going to be okay with me saying let's overproduce 30 kids and give them all away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and so again, we did. We had to wrestle, and I don't know, you know, I, I'd like to hear more of from Austin's side of of their experience. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know if you did any IVF or anything, Austin, or if this was just you know, we are pro-life and we know babies are being frozen. So we want to adopt. So give me a little more of your story on that real quick, Austin, and yeah, see and, where you're at. And also, uh, opposing opinions, welcome. You know what I mean? This isn't like, right. uh, you know, I don't, I honestly, I don't know enough about it to give an opinion. I'm trying to understand. So I would love to hear your perspective on it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, First, I definitely agree. Um, definitely talk to your pastor, your elders, get biblical counsel. It's it's weighty things. Um, I actually do have different convictions as far as IVF goes itself. I do reject IVF as a whole outright. Um, so we didn't, we haven't done IVF. We're just pursuing the embryo adoption um, aspect. Um, 
of adopting. Um, So I I do always try and want to be charitable to brothers and sisters in Christ who are, um, have questions about this stuff. And um, usually I try and say, Hey, how about how um, embryo adoption put that forward as, Hey, this is, this is um, a huge need that's out there. So many children. Um, So uh, me myself, yeah, I I do have some different convictions on, on it. And there's some, a few different reasons that go into it. Um, But um, yeah, I, I do think that embryo adoption is, is, um, such a need. It's, it's, it's not something a lot of people do or even know about. Um, so it's, it's definitely something trying to, um, make more, more well-known as, as something that Christians can do. Awesome. Yeah. Can you maybe tell us, uh, talk to us about those convictions? Um, as I said, we're, we're, I want, I want to hear two sides of the coin, um, I'm, I know my brother Norm is, uh, willing to hear, uh, those things oh, and, and not going to be, uh, you know, offended by it. And I think it's important to discuss these things. So if you're comfortable with it, maybe you can share, uh, your, your thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's a few different angles, I guess, that it can be, um, discussed from or different questions to consider. I guess some of those questions would be, um, I mean, people do ask, well, yeah, can it be done in an ethical way? Can it be, um, because first outright, um, I think we'd agree, like there, there is a a sense in which, I mean, you create 30 children, it's, it's apart from a miracle, um, going to be really hard to raise those children. But some, some people ask, well, let's say you could do, um, let's say you could do like one or two, um, um, from, from what I've seen, I'm uh, a lot of clinics. I don't think he could even really do one or two just because of the whole process of, um, the attrition rates from having to, um, harvest the egg to go to fertilizing for that to happen. It seems like that would have to happen a lot just to end up with one. So I'm not sure, um, the clinics would, but, but saying they do, um, I think some of the questions that have to be asked are, um, like the process itself, um, is, um, is it something that, um, is, is dangerous for the embryo itself to go through, um, is kind of one angle. And I know another angle that people have to deal with is, um, can I, um, do business with, with this place, um, or the industry as a whole, the IVF Mm -hmm. industry, um, because there's a lot that, um, Christians just oppose about the whole thing as a whole. Um, and then another, uh, I think question or angle to deal with it is, um, am I, um, can we um, kind of separate um, the uh, conception from sexual procreation? Um, so those are kind of some of the questions I had to wrestle through and deal with. And um, that those would be kind of some of the areas that uh, of why I reject IVF as, as a whole package deal. Okay. Um, so there's, there's a number of different reasons, but really at the end, it, you think about it and it's, it's kind of crazy. It's almost crazy that, Christians have to think through some of this stuff. I mean, imagine telling someone just a hundred years ago, what, what Christians have to deal with in the 21st century. It almost seems like something out of a sci-fi movie that technology is able to do this. So, so uh, yeah. So you're saying more morally speaking, dealing with a place that, you know, creates lots of babies and those babies get discarded. mm -hmm. That's, that's part of the decision thinking, thinking through it. Correct. Yeah. And that's also has to be part of the decision too, if you do embryo adoption, because you still have to work Ah. with that place. So, Ah. um, that's also something that we've had to consider too. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my wife has, uh, researched it more than I have and, She's had conversations with people actually in her family about, um, you know, people who've fertilized a ton of eggs and then they've decided to use two and then, you know, have said things like, well, I could never give these other children up for adoption. Uh, Instead, I would rather just kill them essentially is what they're saying, um, and discard them. uh, And they can't see the folly, the foolishness, and the wickedness that these these are babies um, that have been created in the image of God. They're fertilized eggs at conception, and um, they're just being then discarded. Um, So I, you know, hopefully uh, someday soon abortion is 
ended, right? And uh, we're not out on the sidewalks having to preach the gospel in front of abortion mills. But then the next thing that is discussed is, well, you know, and Pastor Jeff has even had this question, well, what about IBF? Um, what about all of these places that are making tons and tons of babies? What do we do about that? And his answer is, well, first let's go rescue, you know, all of these babies that are actively being uh, aborted uh, and killed and pulled apart and all of these things. That's something that we can do right now. And that's something we are doing right now. But, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm interested to learn and dive in deeper about IBF, uh, the industry itself, the statistics and, um, you know, we as Christians, what do we need to do in these circumstances? And that's part of why right. I wanted to have this conversation. Um, yeah. so, so Norm, uh, yeah. all, you know, you different, different convictions, different thoughts, and we're always all working right. through these things. You adopted, um, a snowflake baby. She is yes. five now. She's almost five. She'll be five in October. Five in October. So, God, yeah. That's awesome. And, and then again, here, I, again, as we talk about things that you have to, that you have to wrestle with in this, you know, in IVF, you're, you're, you're definitely wrestling. And we, we were intent on finding in the clinic that we worked with is a, an, a, an adoption, basically clinic. They don't, they don't destroy, they don't sell or anything like that when you fill out your paperwork with this clinic that we went through and it, things may have changed in the five years, a, a lot of the docs that were there left and have gone to different places, but they were, it is you either transfer those babies and you take them or they're given for adoption. They're donated, never destroyed. Okay. Um, and so that was one of the things that, that we were intent upon but the other thing is, and the, the thing that I really wrestled with and I talked over with my pastor at the time was the state of this baby's soul while they are cryogenically frozen. Because if you want to get technical, my daughter's 14 years old because she's been frozen for 10 years. Oh, man. <laughs> she's been oh, frozen man. for 10 years before we adopted her. So... And, and I had to go with through with Jeremy uh, Bear, who was my pastor at the time. I'm like, I'm really what where's where's her soul at this point in time? And at this point, I'm like, I just have to trust. I mean, she's an amazing baby and I know she's got a soul. She's an awesome little girl. So I just had to go. I trust that God is taking care of this. And we and we're rescuing her in a sense. You know, we're getting out of her out of this deep freeze that she's been in for 10 years. And so, but that was a big deal. I mean, if, if you are in any way, shape or form planning to, I mean, if you're doing IVF or whatever, but I, I struggled with what is the state of her soul during this, this time period, mm -hmm. because she's alive. We know she's a baby from the moment of conception. And I'm like, okay. And I, I wrestled with that. Mm -hmm. um, but now but i got again it was just like i have to let go i have to trust god has that can in control well he's sovereign he knows i probably wouldn't understand it anyway if he tried to explain <laughs> it to me and we were just like we are we're gonna have this baby and yeah. but so, yeah and so now she's four and she's awesome Praise God. And, and Austin, your and Opal is awesome. She's friends with uh, my daughter and my kids and we spend time and been at her birthday and I just got to see her recently. Um, so Austin, you're, you're kind of early on in the process. You're still, you know, fundraising for your side of it. Tell us about, you know, the cost and, and kind of what you're going through in the process. Yeah. So, um, it, it does end up being, um, sometimes quite a bit cheaper than, um, what I call like born child adoption. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, for us, we're minimum needing, uh, about 15,000. We'd ideally like maybe 20, 21,000, um, to cover the cost of everything from, um, the, the transfer, um, the whole, um, adoption and then, uh, even up to possibly some NICU care. So yeah, we're early on. We actually are, are matched with, 
um, three embryos that we um, are hoping to adopt within this next week or so. It'll be official. Oh, wow. So Praise God. Technically, I'm on the podcast. I'm not like a dad yet, but hopefully <laughs> in this next week or so, it, it's it's official. So, okay. Um, so we went, because um, there's a couple ways you can do it. You could um, go through like the cl- uh, uh, IVF clinics, um, anonymous embryo donation program. A lot of people do that. You could do like um, the nightlife or the different um, programs that maybe like a Christian embryo adoption agency might do. And they kind of cover more of the legal stuff and um, uh, take care of that aspect for you. Or you can do uh, more of just a private one. Um, And that's kind of the route we took. We actually put like a little profile up on a website and said, here's what we're looking for. And people just um, on their own go on and um, you can get matched. So uh, we were matched with three, um, and we are kind of doing, um, in the process, we needed to do psych evaluations, which we just recently got done. Um, I was kind of worried about that because I heard, um, I'm like, oh, they're going to have they work critical race theory in that. that yet? <laughs> I, that's what I was anticipating. I'm like, oh, we're going to fail. I'm, I'm going to be crazy. I'm a Christian and they're not yeah. going to like that. So, um, it ended up just being, uh, not really a psych eval, at least for us. It was more of a, these are the bullet points, uh, education wise that, we're legally required to cover with you guys. And I'm like, Oh, okay, good. <laughs> uh, so we just got that done and the no mandatory vaccines. Yeah. 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 Not yet. <laughs> um, so I'm like, who passed that part? Um, uh, currently we're working, uh, to get a contract going between us and the biological parents so that communication is clear. Um, and that part, it kind of can be like a, a born child adoption where you can do closed open or semi open adoptions. Oh, okay. Um, and so we're currently working through that contract, um, now, and once that's finalized, um, the adoption's basically finalized and the embryos are currently in a clinic in Texas. So they'll be shipped up here. Um, and then in the next few weeks, my wife would do a, like a medical clearance, start, uh, doing hormones for maybe four to six weeks. And then, um, we'd be ready to do the actual transfer itself. Um, so yeah, we're a little early on. That's awesome, man. So, so you're raising that money still currently. Um, tell us, uh, where do you go? Uh, if someone was like, I want to get involved in this, where do they go to actually look, uh, find, uh, embryo adoption? Maybe Norm, you can help with that too. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we did ours like straight through the, the IVF, uh, clinic that we had been working with before. Um, but Nightlight Christian Adoptions uh, is the company, the group, I don't know if you call them a ministry or not, um, that started with embryo adoption and actually came up with the name Snowflake. But that would be a place to just start would be, you know, just looking up someone, something like Nightlight or um, just embryo adoption. And then I would say trying to find a a Christian ministry of some kind that you can get connected through. But again, ours was just straight through the IVF clinic that we had been working with. So that was where we went. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, even if you don't end up going with them, I think like nightlife and, and those types of things have a lot of good information on kind of the process and stuff. And um, I think that's another huge need is, is, uh, more Christian ministries out there kind of bringing this to the forefront and providing Absolutely. options for Christians. But yeah, that you could do that. Or um, I know the the anonymous donation of the clinic is also a big, um, a, a big area where, where this happens too. For sure. So what is the need? Uh, tell us about the need out there. Do you guys know, statistically speaking, uh, compared to, you know, obviously in regular adoption, <laughs> there's a huge need as well. And our government and states put huge barriers of expenses and requirements in between these children who need homes. What is that comparatively like to the uh, embryo adoption world? Again, there are 90,000 uh, babies that are frozen right now in the United States in need of a uterus a womb to, to grow and develop in. Okay. And so they're in, I mean, that's, I, I don't know what, how that number compares with, you know, foster kids or, you know, other kids that are, are born that need to be adopted. 
but I mean, 90,000, that's a, that's a huge number. And I know you hear all the time people talk about the tens of thousands of, of Christians that are wanting to adopt that are on waiting lists and stuff like that. And it's like, here's a potential way to do it. Um, yeah. And that process, if you, I guess, had the money would go quicker. Right. Is that, is that correct? You know, is, is that bit a big part of the process? The timing obviously is the fundraising, the money, but if you wanted to adopt and if you wanted a child and wanted to be assured that you would get one sooner instead of waiting for the hoops and all that, that it could happen quicker through embryo adoption. I, I think to a point it could, because again, I don't think they do the same kind of home studies that you have for, for born adoptions. Like if you're adopting a, a child from China or I've known people who have adopted from Guatemala or any of these other places, you have to have like multiple home studies. You have to have psychological evaluations. You have to do all these different things and jump through all these hoops. I don't think the hoops are as many um, for embryo adoption. Again, I, I can't remember. I know that we didn't have a home study of any kind. I know that we, I spoke with a psychologist on the phone and Talia went to the office and had a bunch of questions to make sure we weren't like crazy people or whatever. Um, little did they know. Um, <laughs> but uh, so it is, but again, you're going to get a baby, but it's, it's nine months. Sure. So, yeah. so but it's an amazing nine months. Yeah. As anybody can tell you. I mean, I, I, I cried the first time I heard her heartbeat. I cried the first time I got to feel her move. Um, you know, I mean, just all the different, it's, it, it's an amazing thing because you get the, all the milestones of the pregnancy, you know, the, the first kick, the first, all those things, um, that, that are just an amazing experience. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, I think something that we're discussing is the importance of just Christians being involved in the adoption process, the foster care uh, system and, and these things and taking in these babies um, because, I mean, they are orphaned children. Absolutely. Right? This, Absolutely. This is, they are. They, they're included in the orphan, right? And the call, uh, which is undefiled religion, which is to take yeah. care of the orphan and the widow and... Um, it falls under that category as interesting as that sounds. Um, these are orphaned Absolutely. children. They're, they're parentless, they're fatherless children. Um, so we need to be thinking about that. Um, so man, this is, it's, it's a deep topic. Um, and it's, it's so interesting and based on technology and, you know, science and all of these things continuing to advance, you know, there's going to be more questions <laughs> to answer and to ask and to discuss um, and uh, for people to go to their pastors and, and talk about and um, to seek God in um, Austin with your, your process, you know, and your, your, you said a week away from it being official and then you have fundraising to go. Is that, is that what's going on? Yeah, we're, we're actually almost to our, our 15,000. Uh, Praise God's God. Grace. I, that was that was probably my biggest fear going into just adoption in general. Is how do I pay for this? <laughs> um, and God provides. It's it's kind of crazy, and that's become now kind of my least concern in this whole thing. So, mm. um, what where can somebody go to donate to your uh, adoption specifically? Um, we have a GoFundMe. Um, okay, I think you can just look up like Austin Dressler um, embryo adoption. Okay. Um, Spell that last name for yeah, us. Yeah, it's Dressler, D-R-E-S-S-L-E-R. Okay. Um, you can find me on Facebook, I guess. You could um, do it that way. But um, yeah, we've just been so blown away by um, by the amount of support and um, the help that we've gotten from, from the body of Christ through this. It's amazing when you set out to do something that God has called you to do. And in your mind, you're thinking that there's this huge mountain uh, financially or distance wise or whatever that is. And then you realize in the process in actually doing it, it's like, well, God wanted me to do this. Mm -hmm. So he's providing every cent that I need. And it's not as huge of a mountain as I thought it would be. 
Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And especially for, for Christians connected to a local church, it, it's something your local church can, can kind of get behind and help support you. That was, um, the thing that kind of helped, uh, I guess provide me a little comfort. I'm like, okay, I, we, there's people, there are people around us that, that could help, um, because not everyone can adopt embryos. I mean, um, you just might not be in the position to do it or, um, there's a lot of different things that go into it, but, um, I think there are a lot of churches that can help, um, just partner with different Christians who do. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. Praise God, man. And, that, and that's such the importance of having a healthy church body, right? A healthy church body when, when there's a uh, health biblically sound, uh, preaching and exposition and, um, people being challenged that the, the body actually comes together, right? The body financially supports one another. The body financially comes together or, you know, burdens are, are together. They're held together by each other. They're bared by everyone there. Um, in the church, like they come alongside, they bear each other's burdens. They also act, get to partake in the blessings, right? These children coming into their church, which are blessing their church, which are blessing the families in their church. And it all is working together. Um, and that's, you know, a sign of a healthy church that people are supporting each other, providing for, for needs, uh, caring for one another and getting to, you know, experience those blessings together of trusting God. So that is so important. And, um, you know, if, if there are a lot more healthy churches, we'd probably see a lot more children adopted. We'd see a lot more, you know, large families within the church and, and growing and, um, supporting and coming alongside one another because these children are a gift from God. And, um, you know, I, I, I know, uh, you know, my kids and we've had we've been able to experience the blessing of Norm's uh, awesome daughter um, being a part of our lives in and out and hopefully more often now. Um, so, Absolutely. so yeah, I mean, those children are a gift and uh, they're going to bless the church going forward. And while the rest of the world, you know, uh, calls children a burden uh, or a, just merely a struggle, something to avoid, if Christians would just continually uh raise their children up in the fear and ammunition of the Lord, adopt these babies, raise their children. Uh, and God's going to use that to fill the earth with his dominion mandate, right? With his, Amen. with his, uh, his people. Uh, I mean, I'm post mill. So I believe that, um, you know, the majority uh, that it's going to be a majority Christian world, uh, someday until, uh, you know, Christ continues to put his enemies under his feet and that yeah. we're going to see um, huge numbers of Christians uh, outnumbering, you know, the the number of the secular side of things. So if we can adopt babies, have babies, <laughs> get involved in the foster care system, preach the gospel, right. I mean, God, you know, saves children through that. And um, I'd like to see that continue. Absolutely. Absolutely. And right now, I mean, statistically, the majority of people involved in foster care and adoption and everything are Christians, but there are so many more that, that can do it. And they just, you, like you talked about, getting over those, those mountains of fear of whether it's financial, whether it's, you know, emotional, what, whatever your fear is, just knowing that, that God is going to provide. God, if, if God's calling you to do it, God's going to provide for it. And, and he's, he's faithful and we trust him that he's going to, he's going to give you everything that you need, um, to, to come alongside, whether that's through fundraising, through however it is that, that God provides financially. And then there are so many churches that are out there that are willing to just step up and say, we're here to help. We are here to walk with you and help you do this to get everything else to, to move those mountains that are there. I mean, just short example of that recently, my transmission went out. I know this is a different scenario, but my transmission went out five grand and I was like, Oh, I don't have 5,000 to pay this. Literally like people knew in my church body, family members that my transmission was done and that I was out doing ministry uh, and within one, a few days it was covered. I was like, yeah. okay, 
five, I mean, that right. 5,000, awesome. it's a significant amount of money. Um, so praise the Lord for that. Yeah. You know, he provides Amen. through his people, through his body. And the, like you said, these mountains are a lot easier to overcome. One, because God is working out all things. But two, we are in a body that we are in the body of Christ in a ch- in our churches and our church members and brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ care about us and love us and we're going to bear each other's burdens that's part of doing life together. Amen. Amen. Anything y'all want to add before we sign off? No, I, I think we we cover I mean we could go on and on and on on different yeah. things yeah. but but yeah no I think we we covered what we wanted to cover and uh and I did. I'm glad you you asked for Austin's info for for donation, so we can get that out there to to you know again let God's people come alongside and, and do what we can do to help uh, get these babies um, out of a freezer and into the world, so we can they can bless us and we can bless them and God can be glorified. Real quick, any names picked out? Um, that is, that is a hard, <laughs> that's the hard part here. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of names, but my wife does not like those names. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. Norm is a really strong, <laughs> Norm. Just, I like it. just throwing it out there. <laughs> Norm, did you, did you have names picked out prior to? Oh, we did. We yeah. did. We, every, every series of IVF those babies were named. And when even the adoptions, we did, I mean, we didn't know gender. We just assumed. And so I, you know, we've, we've got probably got a couple of girls up in heaven named Rudy and Ebenezer uh, <laughs> that are like, what's up with that? You know, and I probably got some son up there that we were like, Oh, you're Elizabeth. And uh, you know, Jesus has given them all a new name anyway. So he's going to fix my mistakes like he always does. But yeah, we had named them all. We had, our first set of, of uh, babies was Ebenezer and Elizabeth. Uh, we had uh, Bethany and Benjamin. Um, the the trio that we that didn't survive the thaw was Rosa, uh, Rita, and Rudy. Okay. Um, so we just you know we're like throwing out boy names and girl names and just hoping that that they worked, and mm-hmm. uh, and then. Um, Actually, we—I I don't think we ever gave a name to Opal's sibling. Okay. Um, Oscar, actually, Opal oh, and Oscar okay. was what we, because we knew we had chosen Opal. Um, talking to Talia's sisters, uh, who was adopted, her grandma's name was Opal, and we loved it. And Miss Opal died just before we went through the in vitro, so we—that was—we knew that name, and we were just glad that she was a girl that we could give it to her. So. All right. All right. Well, I just want to say if you have any comments, anything you would like to reply with this, any thoughts on IBF or um, embryo adoption, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave that wherever you're listening to this. But as we say, and as I like to point out, the Bible says, surely you need guidance to wage war and victory is won through many advisors. Thanks for tuning in and God bless. I don't understand, I don't understand. I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam. And we gon' start a one that's from up above. And they gon' know it's us by the way we love. All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers. And we gon' worship the father and we gon' drown in this water. All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers. And we gon' worship the father and we gon' drown in this water. Family, family, family. Christ up one time from